Hello, this is Brandy Kins, and welcome to another episode of the Terrific Talk Podcast. This is episode 9. In this episode, I speak with Snuggy Bun, who is a Twitch content creator and deaf and hard of hearing advocate about horror movies, horror games, and how the deaf and hard of hearing community can feel included in the viewing of movies and of Twitch streams. This was a live interview recorded on twitch.tv slash brandykins. So sit back, relax, enjoy, and stay terrific, everyone. Well, hello, everybody out there, and welcome to another episode of the Terrific Talk Podcast. And I have a lovely, wonderful guest with me today a Twitch content creator, horror lover, and deaf and hard of hearing advocate on Twitch, Snuggy Bun. Hello, Snuggy Bun. How are you doing today? Hello. I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing so fabulous today. So excited to have you on talking um, horror with me and all sorts of other topics. I really do appreciate you coming on. Of course. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So let me go ahead and just jump right in and we'll get started. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself. So Talk a little bit about um, who you are, like what you do in the content creation world. Uh, what kind of content do you create? So I'm a variety broadcaster on Twitch. You know, there's a lot of us out there. Um, I play a lot of Siege. I play a lot of rhythm games, such as Beat Saber and Just Dance. Um, but most importantly, it's my mission on Twitch to get captions all over Twitch for the deaf and hard of hearing, because they should be able to view any broadcast that they want. I definitely agree with that mission, and I am so glad that someone has, like you, has taken up the mantle and has just ran with it, because Twitch only has uh, captions available on, like, their official Twitch broadcast, and it, it had me kind of thinking, too, like, well, if they can provide it to their official broadcast, why not to all of Twitch? Exactly, and the problem is, too, like, they do have their own captions um, for broadcast users to use. But it uses a Windows uh, speech-to-text, which is severely outdated and very inaccurate to the point where there's absolutely no use for them at all. Ugh. And uh, what is the program that you use? And, like, I'm, I'm also using it right now, but I'm going to let you talk a little bit about that. So, like, how did you come across the program that you use for captions? So at first when I started creating content, I used to use American Sign Language while I was uh, streaming. But games like I was playing like Outlast, trying to run from the big guys while they're chasing me. It's very hard to use sign language and do that at the same time, especially because I'm terrified. But I had friends who were searching all over. We tried all sorts of different ideas, like the OBS uh, that has it built in but that also uses windows speech to text i tried using a capture from the windows but it uses windows speech to text so we tried everything and then um one gentleman finally created the website called web captioneer which is completely free and very easy to use and i've been working with him to pretty much get the word out there about his website and we've increased traffic to his website significantly because of it that is awesome that he is doing this, this for the Twitch community and that it's 
completely free. It's just like that kind of su uh, surprised me when I first saw that because most programs like that charge um, a monthly fee or just like an arm and a leg to be able to even use them. Exactly. No. So what made you decide to take up the mantle of uh, pushing for captions for the deaf and hard of hearing community on Twitch? My best friend uh, for over a decade, who's been my number one supporter, wanted to watch my streams. And being able to, me personally, use sign language was easy for her. However, it limited, limited her to my stream exclusively. And I didn't like that idea because I don't feel like I should have the eyes over a deaf and hard of hearing just because I know sign language. I feel that deaf and hard of hearing viewers should be able to view any content they want. And they shouldn't be mandated to do content that only that broadcaster caters to them. They should be able to have free range to view any content they want. So it really was pushing people to have that awareness that you need to make your content available to those communities or you're excluding the part and you're excluding yourself from growth essentially exactly because like there's that whole other like i said community out there like they may like you and want to be your content but they can't because there's that barrier there so that's good that there is a program like this for us twitch broadcasters to be able to use Exactly. So, so we will talk a little bit about uh, later on about how the horror community especially can make sure that the deaf and hard of hearing community are included and feel included. But let's talk a little bit about horror while well, you play games like Outlast. And yes. that is one of my favorite games. It scares me out of my mind as well. Um, Terrified. Yes, um, my community has gotten lots of clips of me being scared, and they laugh Same. at me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So, lots of laughs. So what is it about um, horror that makes you love it so much? I've been playing horror ever since I was probably about 10 or 11. Um, I started out with, like, OG, Parasite Eve, Resident Evil, Clock Tower, uh, Fatal Frame being my all-time favorite horror games. Um... It's a different kind of storytelling, and I feel like horror specifically is more intimate. I feel like horror specifically is more intimate in the sense that it uses those different human senses to tell the story, rather than, like, say, a love story, like Final Fantasy X or something like that. There's something about being completely terrified in all different senses that is a more intimate process to me than something I would get from a romantic video game. Ah, uh, yeah. I'm not really a big fan of romantic video games either <laughs> because they tend to go, like, really over the top, like, with everything. And it's like, ew. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, those emotes that you use are great. <laughs> oh. So uh, you talked about how you played video games, like whenever, like horror video games, whenever you were young. So let's kind of go a little bit further back. Do you remember like any earlier experiences, eh, earlier experiences with horror other than just those uh, video games that you played when you were young? Um, I probably have been watching horror ever since I was four. Um, my mother wow. has been, yeah, my mother has been a huge fan of horror. I used to watch Chucky when I was little and I wanted a Chucky doll. Um, my mother watched The Exorcist in the movie theaters and 
actually went under her sister's bed and decided to shake it uncontrollably and scare the living daylights out of her. So my family <laughs> itself has been very tight-knit with horror. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I had a similar experience with that. Um, my mom would let me watch Horror Tales from the Crypt. Uh, that show on HBO, oh, yeah. The Hitchhiker, um, the music for that was creepy, but my dad let me watch The Howling, and it was at a sleepover. Oh, yeah. And he said, like, oh, I have to go out for a second. I'll be right back. And it was, like, really, really dark. And he started, like, shaking the door, like, rattling it and pounding on it. And he just, like, burst through it. Oh, yeah. It scared me out of my mind. And I was seven. Yeah, I had a one incident. The ring had just came out. And I think I was probably about uh, 12 or 13. And, um... My parents have a master bedroom where there's a path through to our backyard, and my sister was taking out her dog. So I decided it would be a good idea to go in the master closet, get on all fours, and put my hair in front of my face. And I crawled out and scared her so bad she started crying and it fell over. Uh, so. Hey, what are family members for if not to torture each Perfect. other? <laughs> Perfect. So you talk about two, um, you, okay, Outlast again. I keep going back to that because that is one of my oh, favorite yeah. games. Like, so what is it about that? Would you call that your favorite horror game or is there a game that you like um, more than that? Not at all. Um, honestly, so Fatal Frame, the, the entire franchise really was my all-time favorite just because of the storytelling and how atmospheric the game was. Intel, and I'm probably going to screw up how you say the name, and everyone's going to make fun of me, but Visage or Visage, that is now my current favorite, just because there isn't much storytelling, probably because the game isn't fully completed and out. However, the way the game developers made that game and how intense you feel playing it, it's uncontrollably, undeniably the most scariest experience I've ever had. Yeah. Oh, that you're like the second person that I've had on my podcast that has, act, that has said that uh, Visage or Visage or however, I don't know how to pronounce yeah. it either, <laughs> is scary. So I've kind yeah. of been hesitant about buying it just because it is $25 and not finished. I would, even though it's not finished, I would get it. Hundred. I am not mad at the money I put in just because the product, even though it's not finished, it is so enjoyable and to know that I'm going to get more of that even at that the rate I already pay, purchased is completely fine with me. Okay, so you talked a lot about the atmosphere in uh, Visage, Visage and how that makes the game scary. What other elements do you feel make a horror game scary? So audio is a big play on it which is a different topic of how it affects deaf and hard of hearing people. Audio is it, and then the game mechanics as well. Um, some people found the game mechanics slightly stressful with the game. However, I liked it. I felt it was the right amount of stress, just like Outlast, where you're having to find batteries and you don't really attack anything. You just explore. So it's the same. I like those kind of games. And Fatal Frame was the same way. You attacked uh, ghosts and spirits with a camera. You had to find film, and if you ran out of film, you're kind of SOL. So I like those kind of games. I don't like the hack and slash horror, give me a gun kind of games. I 
trying to think. Uh, so I would take it that in that kind of mindset, are you a fan of Dead by Daylight or no? So I've played Dead by Daylight. I've tried to play it. I'm not good at it at <laughs> all by any means. However, my eight-year-old loves the game and tells me all the time how well of a murderer he is and how he's the best murderer. It's like, child? <laughs> yes. yes. He's eight years old and he's following right in my footsteps and I couldn't be more proud. Like, good job. <laughs> mm -hmm. Pretty much. Oh, man. So do you also let your youngins watch horror like your mom let you watch horror? Or are you a little bit more like, mm -mm, no, you're going to have to wait till you get a little older? Nope. They can nope. watch anything they want as long as there's no sexual content. So if we know there's sexual content, we tell them to cover their eyes. We make sure they're covered. We cover their ears or just skip it or send them to another room until that content is over. Yeah, so, okay, like... Go in the other room while we fast forward through all the naked stuff. Exactly. <laughs> like right now, his favorite horror franchise that he wants to start watching is Jason. So mm. um, we have to start trying to figure out where those certain scenes are for that so we can let him watch those. So all the Jasons, even up through the one that came out in 2009? Yeah, I, I don't even think I've seen the newer one because they just did the remake. I, or not like remake, but where he was. Oh no, that was Michael Myers. I'm thinking about a different one. Yeah, you're thinking about Halloween. Yeah, Halloween. Yeah. But no, um, I believe I'd probably stop him. Like, I don't think he needs to see some of the newer Jasons. Like, Jason when he's in space was a little much for me. Personally, uh, I thought it was a little crazy. Uh, Jason X, like. I, yeah. I saw that. I just watched that, and there was absolutely nothing else on. And I'm just like, where do people come up with this stuff? Exactly. I mean, it's kind of like any franchise, really. Look at the Leprechaun franchise. It started out really good, and then we decided to go crazy with it and take them to space, and that just went downhill from there. So do you feel that um, horror films are a victim of the franchise route and if so is that a good thing or a bad thing i do feel like they're a victim of franchise and i do think it's a bad thing because i think there comes a time where you have to say we did what we could and that's it like don't oversaturate the product just because you're trying to make money off of it because then it gives older fans like fans who've been there from the very beginning a bad taste in their mouth and it's not something, like I said, I, I don't feel my son needs to watch Jason X in order to get a feel for the Jason movies. It's inadequate to me, for me to expose him to it. It's a waste. So, uh, yeah, the first one, Friday the 13th, of course, is essential. And then even the second, I really enjoyed. And the third, oh, yeah. I thought, of course, that's where he gets his mask. It's the, it's the iconic movie. And past that, uh, they get kind of silly. <laughs> Exactly. It's the same with, uh, like, um, the Predator movies, like, the first two were great, and then the Alien movie is another one I have to expose him to, but I think that one might be a little bit too scary for him just yet. Ooh, so are you gonna, oh, when he gets older, are you gonna let him watch, um, Alien and Aliens? Like, both of those back See, to back? Mm -hmm. and that's the thing, is, like, I feel like 
the first aliens was really good and like i liked some of the story elements to the the next one but i didn't feel it was like so much of a horror movie as it was like a jump scare-esque movie oh you're the first person that has actually like had that view on it because i've mm -hmm. always viewed aliens the second one as more of a sci-fi horror movie oh yeah, yeah. i knew i mean had it better storyline per se because they really delve into it but i really like the originals i'm very much like a diehard for the originals i think the only franchise in which i really liked the sequels was chucky i mean that might be because i'm biased because i watched it when i was a kid so like even chucky bride i enjoyed uh, those movies, though, the Chucky movies, I kind of felt that they knew that they weren't meant to be taken seriously. So just like, we're exactly. going to have fun with it. Exactly. So uh, what are your thoughts on the Chucky remake or whatever this is going to be coming out next year? Um, I'm excited for it because just because technology has advanced so much. So it gives us the ability to see Chucky in a different light. But of course, with that being said, I'm also hesitant because, you know, you worry about certain things and elements of Chucky's personality being dictated over time and changes and different writers and producers and all that. Yeah, it's like you can't get better, really, than Brad Dourif as the voice of Chucky. Is Exactly. So I'm just kind of wondering kind of hmm, how that's going to play out, like if they'll take a more serious route or just stick to the camp. Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> excuse me they could take a more serious route just because chucky has always been kind of a a com comedic horror and um to have like a more serious gruesome kind of chucky would be quite interesting yeah it's like i'm kind of yeah i'm kind of hesitant like about that myself and mm -hmm. i think i might wait really until it gets out of theater so i can like see it on netflix or something exactly so uh what let's see what horror movie in the last let's see here well not the last 10 years i guess just like what horror movie would you point to as an example of just like this is everything that a horror movie is meant to be um trying to think the last horror movie i saw that like really scared me um probably the conjuring I would have to say The Conjuring was probably one of those really good horror movies where it's kind of like Visage in a way. It had very much like the atmosphere. It it didn't scare you when you thought you were going to be scared and then it caught you off guard in some instances as well. There's a new horror movie coming out this month that I'm really excited to see. Um, I keep forgetting the, damn, the dang name of it though. <laughs> Uh, it's like a exorcist type story. Um, the girl comes possessed by a demonic energy and then she, they try to do an exorcism, but they failed the exorcism, but then the, she died and the demonic energy was trapped in her. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Is it the possession of Hannah Grace? Yes. I want to see it really bad. It looks really good. So, uh, the position of Hannah Grace and The Conjuring, they do both have the tropes of, you know, possession and exorcism. And sometimes they can, tropes like that, can get a little bit tired. Are there any horror tropes out there that you wish would be done in a different way or just die out altogether? Hmm. 
I can't, like, put my name... I can't put my finger on a single one that I say would die out altogether just because as a horror fan, I like all horror. Yeah. Um, I think the only thing is, like, oversaturating a franchise, like we discussed with uh, The Leprechaun or, you know, Friday the 13th. Those franchises don't need to be oversaturated. Mm-mm. Yeah, horror saturation to me is the thing I think that needs to die out. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, it's just like it annoys me just so much. It's just like with Saw, I thought the first Saw was really good and they could have just ended it with that. But no, they had to make like 10 million more of them. Yeah, I mean, like Saw itself was a very interesting franchise. Like I felt... I didn't feel it was so much horror as more of like an intense thriller in my perspective. And what I do love about Saw is that it actually developed a brand new way of live theater entertainment with escape rooms. So, I mean, it's one of those things where you have like this thriller franchise that actually develops into something more and something as horror enthusiasts we can put ourselves into in the real world. Yeah. So, I like that. I've always wanted to try out escape rooms. Have you ever had a chance to? I haven't. My friend Kayla, she loves them so much. Uh, we were supposed to go to one, and we just haven't gotten around to it. But I hear they're a lot of fun. Yeah, like, there's, like, three or four near me, and it's just, like, I've never... Time. That's just really just yeah. the main enemy. Time. Yep, people to go to it. And then it's also yeah. finding a good one, because... Because they're getting more popular, it's about finding the ones that are actually worth your time and money at that point. Exactly, because also, yeah, money. Some of them can get really, really expensive. Yep. So, now let's kind of flip the script here and go uh, talk about the worst horror movies and games that you have seen and played. So, if you had to point to one horror movie and one horror game that you feel is just the worst what would what 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 would it be um definitely the worst horror film would be the leprechaun when he goes to space it was just <laughs> such a trashy failed attempt at not only the series because it's like a chucky series it's not to be too um taken too seriously but it was just terrible and hard to watch because they went from like horror thriller leprechaun to like action in space leprechaun where it just didn't make any sense to the entire series and by it, far it, yeah that's kind of like yeah leprechaun in space jason in space i kind of sense a theme where they're trying to just like put horror icons in space and just just not a good the aliens have space the aliens are doing very well in space leave them alone <laughs> Exactly. It's just like, I don't want to see a Freddy Krueger in space movie. If I do, I'm going to blow my gasket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, what about... As... Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you're fine. As far as games considered, Outlast 2, I don't like. Because it's not scary. It's, uh, it's their attempt to just gross you out to the point where you're uncomfortable. And I did not enjoy it. I played it all of probably about 30 to 40 minutes until I got the gist of the storyline. And not only did I not enjoy it, but as a mother, it's definitely one of those topics where I just didn't want to touch. And I'm going to still play it because I'm a story person. I played the games for the story no matter what. 
But as a streamer, I started streaming it, and I said I won't be streaming it again because the game didn't scare me. It wasn't scary. It was just very uncomfortable in the topics that they were exploring and how they were trying to scare me. Yeah, like my main issue with that game, and I don't know if you had the same issue, was not so much the topics, maybe the topics a little bit, because I felt that maybe there was a different way they could have approached it, but mm -hmm. it was just the fact I felt it was a run, run, hide, die, run simulator, and they didn't, like, give you enough time to fully absorb the story. Yeah, I mean, it definitely felt like that as well, but definitely for me, I... I want a game, a horror game especially, to scare me in the sense of atmosphere. Some jump scares are fine and some, you know, light stress. But with that game in particular, it's almost like they tried too hard. I would agree with you there. And it's just like to go from Outlast and even Outlast Whistleblower, the DLC that goes along mm -hmm. with the first one, to Outlast 2. It's just like, what are you doing? Yeah, it was a very big disappointment for me, especially yeah. my community, because they do like seeing me play horror games, and that just didn't set the bar to what we're used to seeing. Yeah, it's just like certain elements of it were really good. I liked the camera aspect. I liked um, the story. Whenever I could get a grasp of it was good. I just wish they would have given me a little bit more time to like fully take it in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So now let's switch to um, more horror topics and kind of go along the lines of film here. So there has been praise from the horror genre about how certain groups are fairly represented like women, but other, like how horror has always been a very pro-woman genre, but there have been arguments for other from other people that some certain groups are excluded, such as the deaf and hard of hearing community and as far as representation in film. And so along those lines, um, have you seen the horror movie Hush? And what are your thoughts on that? I haven't seen, um, hold on, let me pull up a picture. I want to make sure I have the right movie in mind because there was one horror movie that, um, and it wasn't Hush. Okay, I haven't seen Hush, but there was another one that recently came out um, called The Quiet Place. A Quiet Place. I haven't seen Hush, though. Like, I... Let's see here. I haven't seen The Quiet Place either, so it's kind of like Flip. You haven't seen it's Hush? It's like a reverse, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know what's the Hush about. Okay, so Hush is about a... A writer who lives out in a cabin in the middle of nowhere and she is deaf and the whole idea behind it is is that this guy just comes out and starts tormenting her and I guess it gives a certain different aspect because she is deaf that she has to use other means to be able to survive and escape okay yeah. now did when they did it from her perspective did they cut sound entirely or did they still have an audio so they did cut sound entirely, and it was only the people who were hearing that were able to like hear the sounds. And she used American Sign Language in the film as well. But I don't think the actress that played her is actually a deaf, a hard of hearing actress. 
And see, that's the problem with a lot of the deaf and hard of hearing community is when you place someone who's not um, organically a part of that community, as in deaf or hard of hearing, they still feel misrepresented. So it's very important for any kind of uh, media outlook to represent them accurately. So A Quiet Place actually has a deaf actress and the actors had to learn sign language for the movie and to communicate with her. So in that way, it actually had a very accurate representation that the deaf and hard of hearing community really liked. I did not know that. That is really mm -hmm. cool that they took the time to just make sure that there was accurate representation. Exactly. And that for the deaf and hard of community meant a lot because they want representation and they want to show the world that deaf and hard of hearing content creators, actors, actresses, you know, video editors have the ability to do anything a hearing person can do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. As again, Fizzy Amp says there's another deaf and avatar too, too. Yeah. To, still in production now. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So now let's kind of segue into uh, how the horror community can make sure that the deaf and hard of hearing community is included. So accessibility for the deaf and hard of hearing community is your mission on Twitch. Mm -hmm. So how can I as a horror streamer and how can just the horror community as a whole, like in the content creation world, film, games, everywhere, how can we make sure that the deaf and hard of hearing community is included? Um, other than obviously captions, using web captioneer, um, if you notice a game does not have subtitles or closed captions that are not accurate to the sounds that you're hearing, make noise about it. Um, Visage, even though I love that game to death, the closed captionings for them are pretty much worthless. There's no transparent background. The font is very small. And any audible hearing or tones or music or anything like that are not captured in the subtitles. Like, for example, in Tomb Raider, where those subtitles are actually perfect and every game should be following those subtitles. Yeah, there's no excuse now, especially for a game to not have subtitles that are actually readable. Like, even for, you know... I use subtitles all the time, like in the games, and sometimes seeing the font is so tiny, it's just like, I don't need like a microscope to be able to view it. Exactly. So, and even if the subtitles are bad, just having them on so they can read some of the subtitles is better than nothing. As a streamer and content provider, what I do personally is that I have the subtitles on and if I hear a particular noise, like say a growling or baby laughter or door creaking, I audibly say that to my stream so that web captioner will capture it and they understand why I'm so scared. Oh, now that's something that I have never thought of. So saying, mm -hmm. actually saying the atmospherics. Exactly. Like, oh, you know, I hear whispering or I hear baby laughter. Or I hear a growling noise in the distance. It's very important to kind of involve them in the atmosphere that you're feeling so they can understand why your emotions are the way they are. And yeah, that would definitely make sense because 
It's just like you may not even be thinking about it, but if they see you scared, they're not going to know why unless you explain why. Exactly. Man. This is like, so any other ways just beyond captions and subtitles and just describing atmospherics, um, any other ways that uh, the horror community can make sure that the deaf and hard of hearing community are included or feel included? Um, with multiplayer games such as Dead by Daylight, um, obviously because I don't play the game, I'm not sure if there's a text feature with your communication with your partners. Uh, there in the lobby and after the match, there is like a chat feature, but it's not prevalent throughout the entire game. So that's something as because I'm not part of the Dead by Daylight community, I wish that maybe some Dead by Daylight community members could make some noise about because there are people and content creators who are deaf that I know that do play the game. Okay. And if you have teammates in order that can't communicate with you while playing the game, they have no idea what to do. Yep. Especially if I don't know if they have a ping service or some kind of emotes of other communications. That, yeah, nothing. yeah no, that they don't. <laughs> Yeah. So, and that's something that you know, I didn't even think of because mm -hmm. I generally just play with people and we use voice chat. So, just it's yeah, it's definitely one of those mm -hmm. things. And this is what I always tell people: it's it's normal not to think about it because you're not involved in the culture. And it's one of those things as me, someone who is part of a deaf culture atmosphere, that I always think about. It's it's things like in Overwatch where. There's no pinging, but in Rainbow Six Siege, I can pin an actual direction for a deaf player and then write really quickly what's going on there. And the fact that other games are able to implement it, it really upsets me in a way that more games don't do it because it's easy. It can be done. It takes very low production costs to do it, but they don't think about it because like yourself and other content creators, you're not exactly involved in the deaf culture, so it's kind of uh, back in your head thought. Yeah, it's not something, and you do bring up a good point. It's just like, it's not something that I do intentionally. It's just like you said, I'm not mm -hmm. a part of that culture, but I feel that being self-aware of it and just doing what you can just kind of make things easier. Even if you forget a few things, then you just make sure that your broadcast and your content that that community can enjoy it too. Exactly. It's it's like I always say, it's don't feel bad not thinking about it. Once you have the information, then you can make the change and then you can do something about it. Yeah, exactly. It's because if you have the information and yet you still choose to do nothing, then that's kind of crappy. <laughs> exactly. It's definitely one of those things. If you know it's a problem, speak up. And if you don't speak up, obviously you don't want to help and you don't want to make the change that there should be. Exactly. Oh, I heard a little one in the background. <laughs> yeah, one sec. Aw. <laughs> he was taking a nap because of lack of power. Aw. Oh, so uh, Nishi is saying this about Dead by Daylight. Hmm. So Nishi is saying about Dead by Daylight, I'm assuming, yeah, no communication in the game at all. Everything would have to be outside the game. No voice, no pings, no text. 
Oh, so they don't even have a voice communication service? No. Um, if I want to communicate with uh, people in voice, uh, I have to use Discord. That's really interesting, seeing as the game is starting to contract uh, streamers to be partners with their game, mm -hmm. that they don't even have any sort of communication-based one. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. Oh, I see Nishi brings up a good... Uh, a Guess a good point? Nope, because with voice, it would be too easy to avoid the killer, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's a fair point. Yeah. No, but, yeah, it's just like they sh still should be including, like, some kind of text thing in there or something. Yeah, they really should. I mean, it's one of those things, like, even some sort of ping, like... I guess if they're not going to have voice at all, that would make sense. But we all know that any Dead by Daylight streamer or player is probably using Discord. And I can guarantee you the partners and the developers at Dead by Daylight who play it probably use the Discord. So it's one of those things, like, even though they don't want you to use a voice to avoid the killer, we all know what you're using. So why wouldn't you just add a text feature? Yeah, exactly. It's like, we got to be able to communicate with who we're playing with in some way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. Got to be able to communicate in some way. I mean, it, it's because we got to coordinate like to fix the generators and stuff. <laughs> yep. So let me go ahead and open it up to a Q and A to the chat. So if anybody has any questions for um for Snuggy Bun. You can go ahead and ask us now, but while we are waiting for any questions, um, talk about um, wh what your schedule is on Twitch. So when do you usually stream and when is your next stream going to be? Um, I stream pretty much every day except for Tuesdays and Fridays. Uh, I will actually be streaming tonight at 8 p.m. We'll be playing Siege. Um, I do stream horror games sometimes. It's just a matter of when I'm able to fit them in. Especially since everyone wants me to stream a uh, VR horror game, and I've been putting it off because it terrifies me. Oh, which game? Uh, Home Sweet Home. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. It's not a fun game, because her breathing is very intense. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, I've got um, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice on my list, and I'm kind of like, nope. Yeah. So... I don't really view that game as too much of a horror, and um, the the VR version of it's kind of weird. Like I wouldn't um, do it in VR because it's just kind of like a third person camera for the VR. It's really weird, but it it's definitely a very much a very neat game because of the mental awareness aspect to it. Because if you wear like a surround sound headset, you get like all these different audible whispers. But on that note. There's no subtitles for those whispers. Okay, that's kind of strange in itself. Mm -hmm. Does it have subtitles for the main character? It does have it for the main character, thankfully. Yeah. This is kind but of weird. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those things where, once again, it's a game that they could have easily done some sort of uh, captioning service in order to get that aspect so a deaf content creator could, or deaf uh, gamer could enjoy it. Because unfortunately, the other part about it is 
when a deaf gamer or a hard of hearing gamer buys or pre-orders the game, there's nothing in the description to say how great the captions will be. So they're spending $60 in hopes to be able to understand the game. So do you also feel that something developers could do better is like say, hey, this game has closed captions and yes. subtitles? Tomb Raider themselves put out something on their Twitter feed and social media actually showing their accessibility features beforehand. So it doesn't take a lot of effort to do that. We saw Tomb Raider do it, so why aren't other developers doing it? Yeah, to me, just especially just as an excuse, so that, that way they could take a look and go, oh, this is what it's going to be like. I feel comfortable spending my $60. Exactly. It's definitely one of those insurance, and you would have more gamers probably pre-ordering your product if that would be the case. Yes, I remember uh, seeing on your Twitter something about how Fall Fallout 76 didn't include like a text feature. There is no text feature in a game that is advertised to be a social encounter with your friends. Yes, and they still, as of now, have not included that? There is no text to feature still. They recently did a push-to-talk feature, but that is it. <sighs> yeah, yeah, I can definitely see the why just in multiplayer games that kind of thing like would be important. Mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, uh. Alright, so you said that you were going to be streaming at 8 p.m. tonight now. Is that uh, Eastern Time? Eastern, yes. Yeah. I'm East Coast. Yeah, so if you're Central Time, that is 7, 7. p.m. Central. And whereabouts can people find you on the World Wide Web? So your social media, Twitter, and things like that. Um, everything's Dougie Bun. Uh, mm -hmm. Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, soon to be YouTube, everything is snuggy bun. Nice and simple. Ah, yes, it does make it simple because uh, someone else already had taken Brandykins on Twitter, so I'm Brandykins1982, and that really annoys me. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I have a few friends that they can't get the unison across the board. So I definitely understand that that would be annoying. Yeah, so everything else is Brandykins except for my Twitter, and I'm just like, <laughs> Yeah. All right, so Keebla1 has a question. So, the, so Keebla asks, how do you feel about the recent Blizzard Diablo fiasco where they announced a new mobile game at BlizzCon, a PC event? Do you believe this pretty much shows how out of touch the game creators are with the gamers? Um, so, yes. And no, as a Blizzard uh, lover, as someone who actually has friends who works at Blizzard, I feel like to end the Blizzard keynote opening ceremonies on a Diablo mobile game was a huge detriment to the Di Diablo community. It should not have been the final thing that they announced. It shouldn't have been the only thing they announced at all. However, with that being said, what Blizzard, in my personal opinion, may be trying to do is to expand more in the Asia markets. Because as we know, mobile gaming is very big there. We can see like PUBG Mobile is very big. They're doing tournaments, like crazy little adapters to make a mobile game not so mobile. But I think that's what they're trying to do. So I think they're just trying to gain extra revenue from a different market but it's not something that should have been announced at BlizzCon for Blizzard fans. It could maybe be announced at like PAX East or E3 
just not at BlizzCon. It was a waste and it just gave people more stress, the developers themselves and the attendees about BlizzCon. Uh, so, yeah, speaking of mobile games, how well do you feel that um, mobile game developers um, have their games for the deaf and hard of hearing community? So, how do, you, uh, do mobile game developers do it well or do you feel that there's still a lot of work to be done there? Honestly, I'm not sure on a personal preference just because I don't really play mobile games. So I have no experience to be able to say otherwise or to it. That's definitely fair. Like, I mm -hmm. only play like a few of them myself. But they're like the mindless ones like Tetris yeah. and just stuff to pass the time. I think I used to play Fallout Shelter, but that was it. <laughs> oh, geez, that game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I suck at that game. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Keebla, to what you said, goes, amen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> amen. Uh, okay, any other questions for Snuggy Bun? <laughs> the captions are saying Snuggy Butt. <laughs> Snuggy Butt? That's <laughs> fine. Yeah. This is fine. Yeah, this is fine, Snuggy Butt. Sometimes just like the way that it captions stuff is hilarious. Oh yeah, totally. Like one time I said something and it said like grandma and I'm like, I never said that. <laughs> oh yeah, someone uh, I said thank you for the biddies and it said thank you for the babies ones. <laughs> thank you for the babies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah oh, boy. Ah oh, boy. Well, if there are no other questions for Snuggy Bun, um, my dear, any final thoughts or any final things that you want to end today's podcast on? Um, just if any content creators are looking to add captions to the stream, I have a pin post on my Twitter on how to do it, as well as it has a glossary, a quick survey you fill out, it takes like a minute, maybe even two, not even. And you get added right in the glossary. It also gives me the ability to collect the data I need in order to get Twitch to actually move the step forward to uh, actually put captions via widget or actually do it themselves <laughs> without me having to have a bunch of people use a web captioneer. Yeah, so Orsuna's is like, what's your Twitter? And then I typed it in there. He's like, damn it, Brandy, you're too fast. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, the post is, like she said, it's a pinned post. It's right up at the top of the page. And it's, yes, definitely. It has the resources that are provided. It just gives step-by-step -step instructions on how to get it on your stream and in your broadcast. And you can even share it with your viewers. And mm -hmm. yeah, definitely fill out that survey. Because like she said uh, previously, Twitch has to have the metrics. So that way there's the case like it you need it all over Twitch, which I don't know why mm -hmm. that should even be a thing, but. <laughs> I mean, like any other business, yeah. Twitch is a business. And even though yeah. it is an accessibility feature, it should be there anyway. It does take money and resources in order to do it. So it's just pretty much showing Twitch that the money and resources would benefit them in business sense. Yeah, I can see like why it's, it's frustrating, but then from a business side, it's like, yeah, okay, but. It should still be there anyway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely hope that, um, let's see, about how long do you think it would take for you to collect those metrics? Do you have like a set deadline that you're hoping to? 
Um, I have a few different people working on different things. Um, it's pretty much just growing the list to just continue as grows. Because even when uh, Twitch themselves actually do put in captions themselves, Web Captioner himself will not care when he becomes irrelevant. Because all he wants to do is be able to provide the deaf and hard of hearing with the accessibility to view the content they want. So I will be doing what I be what I'm doing until Twitch actually does it themselves. And if I become irrelevant after that, that's totally fine because I accomplished my mission. So I guess Keebla has one last question. It looks like it's about Fallout 76. So she uh, Keebla asks, have you tried it? And are you as upset with it as a lot of the community? Um, I've tried it. I'm not as upset because I take the game for what it was, which is pretty much a Fallout 4 port with a multiplayer feature. So it was a Bethesda game. It was going to be buggy. There isn't much of a storyline because it is a multiplayer aspect game. Um, do I feel like they maybe should have waited a little bit longer? Probably. Do I feel like the Bethesda community might be out of touch with their own community? Probably. So it's one of those things where I feel like developers kind of need to take a step back and listen. Because we're all talking, but nobody's being heard and nobody's listening. Ah. Uh. That's, yeah, that's the issue. It's just like, please, just listen to everything we're saying. Come on. <laughs> exactly. So, all right. Oop. All right, so with that, I feel that this is a good place to stop. So, Snuggy Bun, once again, thank you so much for coming on and talking with me about horror and your mission on how to provide captions to the deaf and hard of hearing community on Twitch and how the horror community can make sure that that community feels included. I appreciate you coming on. And I appreciate you. No, thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak about this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope that you have a good rest of your day. And I know I will definitely be seeing you again soon. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Have a good one. You too, my dear. Bye. 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 Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of Terrific Talk. If you have any feedback for me, you can leave it on my personal Twitter at Brandykins1982 or at the Terrific Talk Twitter at Terrific Talk. Also, if you would like to support the Terrific Talk Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash Brandykins to find out more. So until next time, everybody, stay terrific.